0: What's up, y'all, and welcome into the Jack Vita Show. I'm your host, Jack Vita, back here for another episode uh, here in the new year. Happy New Year to everybody. First episode of the 2024, and we're coming out strong. We've got a fantastic guest joining us today. He is the third baseman for the Los Angeles Angels. He's a World Series champion, an all-star, and an MVP finalist. Anthony Rendon, welcome to the Jack Vita Show. Great to have you here, man.
1: Man, I appreciate it. I was hoping you're gonna have some background noise like, clapping and everything.
0: <laughs> uh, we got a little theme music on the audio form for this thing, but
1: ah, yeah, I'm no gonna, studio yeah.
0: audience. <laughs> <laughs> so now. how's the off how's the off season been? What have you been up to?
1: Man, it's been hectic. It's been uh, very fast as usual. But I think what my wife and I finally realized is uh, having more kids. We're up to four now. Uh, life is just way fast forward faster than we ever even thought it would be going and um as they've been getting older our older two are five and three now so they're starting to kind of be engaged in more activities they're doing more sports and so driving all the way across the city and obviously uh, trying to squeeze in uh you know working out training physical therapy everything just to try to get ready for the season so it's been fast and so (laughs) it's coming up quick almost little... any of your
0: ki- have any of your kids taken up sports yet
1: uh yes yeah, so um they're in gymnastics now and then my older one is she's uh you could tell that she's starting to be a little bit more competitive in soccer so we put her in soccer just to kind of get her out moving and to see what she likes and of course from initially um she wasn't thrilled of it she was kind of scared of the contact and you know trying to not elbow anybody i don't know if you've watched you know five-year-old soccer <laughs> all they do is they run to the ball and then it's like a dog pile where they're standing up and they're trying to kick the ball out of the dog pile and so my daughter initially didn't want to kind of get in there and brush elbows with everybody but i told her like come on you gotta get in there you know you gotta start pushing people around you gotta be assertive and um she did good this past season so i i'm, I'm thinking the, the ties are finally Clicked a little bit maybe that competitive nature is coming out and so she's asking about soccer now she's asking when the games are when practices so that's uh, actually been pretty fun just to watch her grow
0: yeah is that exciting <laughs> i mean obviously working in sports and seeing your kids maybe taking falling in your path
1: yeah definitely not falling in my path um, <laughs> i would not wish this life upon anybody obviously it has its perks uh but being in it for as long as you, I have and talking to other guys that have been in it for way longer than I have, it takes a toll on, you know, way more aspects of your life than what the naked eye, what the fan sees. Right. And obviously it's awesome because we're going to live out a dream, but we're lucky enough to be in that 0.003% you know, of the people in the world that get to do this. And so that's amazing to be a part of that. But at the same time, it comes with the downside. And so I want my kids to be the astronaut i want them to be the engineer i want them to be the doctors i want them to to be in school right or even to be uh you know the day uh the trade school right everyone you know everyone talks about no one wants to go to trade school anymore no one wants to be a mechanic no one wants to be a plumber no one wants to be an electrician but you know we need those people and their pay is getting higher and higher right like i think a welder is up to making like 200 grand a year right now or something i think my uh uh My wife's uh, stepbrother or something, I think he's a welder right now. He's making good money. He didn't go to school, but, you know, those jobs right now are being frowned upon, right? But, I mean, those are the jobs that make this world go around. So, I want them to be productive and, you know, obviously have a great life.
0: What are the downsides to playing (laughs) professional baseball? I mean, to me, it'd be the dream. It'd be like, man, this is great.
1: Yeah, I think the worst part is, you know, being on the road for seven to ten days at a time. So I'm home for seven to ten days, then I leave for seven to ten days. So I don't get to see my kids. I don't get to see my wife uh, for that week and a half, that two weeks or whatever it may be, however long the road trip is. And I think the biggest struggle this next season what's going to be is my kids are our kids are in school now. And so they're not going to come out with me for spring training for the first time. So I'll be, you know, alone for spring training for a good amount of the year. And, or a good amount of the, the six weeks, but then they'll come out during spring break. And then they got to go back to school though. So we'll start the season, you know, I'll start the season alone again. Are they going to come back out into California when the summer is, or are they going to stay home? And then, so i only see them for two, three months out of the year, maybe, depending. And then they might come sporadically once the school's uh, semester starts back up. But that's just something that we got to figure out right now. And my wife and I, you know, Obviously, you know baseball is awesome, but it's for a short period of time in our life. And you know, this is where our kids get to go to school, and you know, education is a huge part of what we believe in, and we want them to get off on the right foot. So, I want to put that as a priority. But at the same time, I want to see my kids. <laughs> I want to see them grow up. Right? So it, that's what's the tough part about it. I mean, if you don't like family and you don't and you want to be alone the whole time, this is the job for you. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. I think a lot of fans probably forget that you guys are human beings. Uh they just think of you as robots that are out there playing a the game for them.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, to an extent to, to an extent we need to be, right? We need to be robotic out there. We need to have short-term memory loss with what we do for we we fail, you know, 7 out of 10 times at the plate and we're still Hall of Famers, right? We have to learn how to deal with failure. And so I think the average fan just understands you know their last memory of baseball or what they think of baseball is right whether it's t-ball whether it was high school whether it was college and how it was just everything in their life but shoot I wish I could go back to college you know we didn't have any responsibilities back then right it was Just it was go to class you know you play baseball and you know that's it you know you had some bills of your apartment and your car and your gas and insurance but the most part it's, it was paid for right either through scholarship or you know you take out a student loan well you, there's no responsibilities in that and so i think that's what the average fan reverts back to and that's what they think we're doing right now
0: what's an average day in the life for anthony the dad in the off season <laughs>
1: oh man so we're i am a procrastinator i'll just tell you that right <laughs> so, don't I can see me. it. Um, don't judge me on these times that I'm going to give you because I'm going to squeeze a lot of stuff in in a short amount <laughs> of times. Uh, shoot. So uh, we'll wake up around six o'clock. Um, we'll wake up our our daughters at six thirty. So we'll go get them, tell them that they got to get up, brush their teeth, you know, kind of get ready for the school day, get them dressed, do their hair, and then cook them breakfast, and then we're out the door by 7.30, sometimes a little later, so they can be at school by eight o'clock. Um, and so thankfully our the school is not too far from where we're living right now. And then I'll go, depending on this, the day, I'll either have, I'll, work, I'll train, I'll have PT, and then I'll do baseball activities. And then the twins will go down for their nap at noon, and then we'll pick up the girls at two and then depending on the day, they either have swim, gymnastics, soccer, or ballet, or hip hop dance. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, like it's Mondays are this, Tuesdays is that, or you know, Thursdays is this and this. And so it's just it gets pretty chaotic on certain days, but some some days are just one activity, and then so it's kind of a good day of rest. But um, you know, I try to get in bed at like eight <laughs> nine o'clock. <that> night. <laughs> I need as much sleep as possible, and that's uh, all day, every day.
0: When you get a little bit of time to yourself, whether it be in the off season or when you're out on the road in the middle of season, mm-hmm. how are you spending your time? Are you watching History Channel, watching documentaries, <laughs> reading? What are you doing?
1: Definitely. Uh, I definitely do still enjoy the History Channel. I love my documentaries. I actually just watched uh, the World War II documentary that just came out on Netflix. One of my buddies told me about it, uh, Tanner Roark, actually. He texted me <laughs> like randomly <laughs> late at night. He, you he knew you were the
0: Atlanta? guy to talk about it. With. Exactly.
1: So he just watched it, I guess. He's in Atlanta. And he goes, are you still I int- Do you still love all that World War II stuff? I replied the next morning because I had been in bed for like six hours. <laughs> I was like, yeah, man, just let me know which one it is. He goes, you got to check out the one on Netflix. So I watched that one. And that was that might have been the best World War II documentary or movie that I've seen a long time. Yeah. Uh, but then, obviously, I'll try to read as much as possible, get in the Word. Uh, I've been slacking lately. <laughs> it's, been, it's been chaotic over here, so I can't even lie. You're gonna get a lot of blunt answers from me. But uh, I try to do that. I love cars. I love golf, and then I love hunting in the off season. So uh, on the road, it depends on where the city at is, is where we're at during the season. Uh, good city, I'll probably go out, you know, try to walk around, get some food. But if we're in a not so great city. I'm not a fan of i'll just lay <laughs> low in the hotel and just hang out and then video chat the kids and the wife so pretty low
0: key what's the best food you've had on the road
1: oh man the first one that comes to mind is there's uh we're in chicago and there's a i don't even know where this place is at we always go late at night right and so i don't know where the streets are i know it's dark uh but vet and booth it's uh i don't know where it's at in chicago but it's uh it's a good little spot. They have an upstairs dining, and then, or well, I guess it's the first floor dining. But then they have a basement where it's almost like a speakeasy type feel. But there's dining, and then there's a big bar at the end of the, at the end of the, the wall, which just has a good, good uh, scenery, good food there, and it's a good atmosphere.
0: No, we talked a little bit about. Uh, I know you like to read a little bit. In addition to reading God's Word, uh, what have you read lately in terms of books? Anything? Man, all right, so
1: everything is that I've read lately has always really been kind of the word inspired and something that I can always apply to life. Um, the one that sticks out the best to me is uh, The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry. I don't know if you've heard that one.
0: I've heard but, of it. I have not read it.
1: Yeah, it, it, I read that one. I read it last year, um, but it was a good one. Just the fact that it helps you think and realize that you need to slow down, right? everything in our life is always just bang, 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 bang. Just how like I, I was just explaining on, you know, the six o'clock, wake up 630, get them up out of the house by 730. Right. But he kind of just breaks it down. There's a couple things I'll just give you real quick to where he goes. If you even just go back and look at the Bible, it always says Jesus walks. Right. And <laughs> never says Jesus yeah. was running and never just <laughs> said Jesus was jogging. <laughs> it's like it's always jesus was walking like he walks here he walked there they walk through this place they walk through this place and it made this it made the most sense right and then he also brought up a study um i forgot who did the study it was probably like harvard or something where they said the average attention span for i think uh crap did he say a bee it was a small insect he said this the average attention span of this small insect is Eight point one seconds, right? They did the study to where after eight point one seconds they clicked it, and he was just off. And then they did a study from like two thousand or ninety nine. The average attention span of a human being was like nine point four seconds, right? But then they did the study a few years back, like just just after COVID or twenty twenty something or two thousand nineteen, and the average attention span had dropped to like seven point nine. And so. Wow. Essentially, he was saying we're losing to bees or that certain insect that they did the study of, which made like how are we so distracted in life to where we're not honing in on what is really true to us. Right. Like, I can have a conversation with you, but there's a window behind me right now and I could just I can get lost because there might be a squirrel running around. Right. <laughs> like, it's just just bad. It's, I mean, if you'll catch yourself, too, if you're driving around with these stupid phones. Right. You're driving around, you come up to a stoplight, what's the first thing you do? You grab your phone, you know, You know, or you, you're at a stop sign, what's the first thing you do? You look down and see if you got a text message or you fiddle with the radio. Something's always at our reach to distract us. And I think that's what he kind of, you know, put that saying that, you know, that's why we're always in a hurry. When technology came along, it just kind of made us go you know, everything was 10 minute abs, nine minute abs, eight minutes abs, six minutes abs, five minute abs. You know, you're just constantly just trying to get something done. So you like slow down. You need to slow down.
0: Good stuff. And you mentioned obviously golf and hunting. Mm. Uh how much golf are you playing these days? Not a lot. I haven't much. Golf,
1: No. I mean, because I mean y'all know my injury history, right? You know, the COVID was 2020, 2021 was the hit, 2022 was the wrist last year was the leg. Like I literally have not golfed. Anything. I think I golf once actually. I golfed once at the Rice baseball tournament they had this year when I got <laughs> back in the off season. And then before that, <clears throat> I didn't golf the previous off season. And I think I golfed the off season before that because one of my buddies got married, so we went to a bachelor party and I golfed.
0: But, are, uh, are you feeling good now? Is there, are you full go for spring training?
1: yeah yeah we're still working on it obviously it's always something new that comes up right but i think we're at that stage in in my career in my life to where i've been playing this game for literally 30 years like the first time i picked up a bat was three years old so i've been doing this almost every day for 30 years i was thinking about it the other day i said well i played year round since i was about six years old i didn't play i played no other sport you know other than baseball year round i played football I played basketball in the fall, you know, but that's it. It was always baseball. All right, we had to practice there then we got to go here to this other sport, but it's always baseball year round. And I'm thinking there was probably a good chunk of years in there where I either swung or threw a ball every day for like X amount of years. Because whether it was playing the backyard, whether I was hitting in the house, breaking something with my brother. And I'm thinking 30 years of wear and tear, it finally gets to you, right? And you're not able to do the things that you did in the past. So that was kind of the transition of what we're looking at this off season is how do we look at all that data pretty much that we thinking about and how we put that into a workout program to make you the most beneficial during the season to stay on the field each and every day. And so it, I think it's just, it's continuing tweaking stuff here and there. All right, well, I felt this, I felt that. All right, let's tweak this let's tweak that just kind of listen to your body basically and put yourself in the best position moving forward to make it through you know the whole season
0: so you're feeling good you're ready
1: yeah <laughs> i'm feeling pretty good knock on wood <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mentioned hunting. i talked about this with jp france a year ago when i had him on the show if you guys are checking out the show for the first time go back and check that one out it's a great episode JP's a big hunting guy. I know you love to hunt. I'm from Chicago. Not a lot of people own guns here. Not a lot of people hunt. I never grew up hunting. I've never hunted. I feel like I'm a huge animal lover, but I'm not judgmental of those who hunt. There are a lot of people who are. So I think a lot of people, if you didn't grow up with guns or Mm -hmm. hunting, you have some kind of thoughts about people who like to hunt. And I feel like people need to hear why someone likes to hunt. So can you explain the appeal to you of why you enjoy hunting and why it's meaningful and something that you really enjoy?
1: Yeah. So I was, I was kind of in the same boat as you were, right. I grew up obviously here in Houston, but I grew up in the suburbs, so it was still considered Houston, but we lived 30, 35 minutes out away from the city out West and you know, there's, it was kind of the country, but it wasn't the country, but we were so ingrained in playing sports year-round like i was stating we never even thought about hunting right the only thing we thought about was guns was the neighborhood that we were in right we weren't in the south side of chicago the worst neighborhood or you know in the u.s or whatever it might be but we were in a not so great neighborhood where people did carry around guns right and that was the only thing that we really thought of we didn't even think twice about going hunting until i got to college i went to rice and then one of my buddies my teammates you know he took me and a couple of guys out and uh, we were out there and you know we're sitting in the blind and you know you see the trees it's it's early in the morning you're just kind of just relaxing right you're just listening to nature you're listening to the rustle of the wind you're listening to you know the you hear an animal, but you can't see it behind you. Right. So you're wondering what's it going to be right? Like, but you can't make any noise because if he hears you, you might run off. And I think that's just what grabbed me was the fact that you could be in silence out there and you could just relax. You could decompress because what we do or what I've done my whole life was play in front of fans or it's always something right. It's always yelling, you know, go down the court run 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 defense defense or you know hit the ball hit the ball run you know it's always something that's loud you know it's bang 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 and I think that was kind of the first time where I found something you know that wasn't you know either a drug or something that you know put you off the rails to where it was man I can kind of just decompress a little bit I can relax and I can just be in this moment I guess you could say and uh, ever since then, uh, I slowly got kept getting invited out, invited out more and more every year, and to the point where I just started doing more research, started learning about this, learning about that, and to the point where you know we're now on a hunting lease and we have our own little deal.
0: Sweet, yes. yeah. So similar appeal, like golf is like that for me. Golf helps me yeah. just chill out, relax, and I mean, I, there's a little more talking that goes on in the golf course. I think hunting, you have to be quiet, but the silence mm-hmm. is probably appealing to you as well. Definitely,
1: and, uh, I mean, I'm more of a loner as it is. Like, I don't mind being by myself, and I'll sit in the hotel room, and you know, on the road, and just kind of lay low, play a little music, and just hang out. But William, mean, there's a certain type of hunting, right? We don't usually do a bunch of hunting in a blind where we're at, but it's just that camaraderie that you get, right? You have to like someone that you're going to be next to for half of the day before you go in for lunch and then come back out for, for the afternoon hunt, right? There's, you pick and choose, you know, unknowingly who you want to hang out with by who you're going to go hunt with. right? Cause you got to like that individual because the small conversations that you end up do having, they're so meaningful. They're so powerful because in there, and they're so impactful just because there's nobody else around and somebody might be a little hesitant to open up to you about something, because maybe their spouse is over there, or maybe their family member or or friend is over there, right? And he goes, man, and they might not wanna speak up too loud because they might get judged by that person. But you building a relationship with somebody that you're sitting next to for hours and hours on a day, you're gonna get close to that individual. And then you're gonna have some conversations that are like, man, we just got closer (laughs) to one another. And so I think that's just the huge thing about it too is that camaraderie and Larry Fleet. I don't know if you heard of him. He's a country singer. He has a song out right now, it's like or song called "Song Called Where I Find God." Right, where he's talking about going hunting and where he can find God, find God and have a conversation. And he goes whether it's sitting in a deer stand, whether it's on an interstate in Nashville, like whatever you have that alone time where you can speak to him and you can hear him and he can hear you, right? And there's no distractions around. And so that's what I've, as I've gone hunting more, I've kind of learned that, that aspect of it. It's like, man, like this is really relaxing and there's really nothing else out there, but you, these animals and this individual or these guys around you that that you're hanging out with. There's nobody else.
0: Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Let's talk a little ball and we'll circle back to faith in a little bit. Um, I want to ask you first and foremost, let's rewind a little bit. 2019 obviously mm-hmm. you win the world series a uh, great year for you and for your team um you were with the nationals and the nationals you guys had so many years where it was like you're right there but you can't win a playoff series and people were talking about these washington sports teams just can't break through what yeah. was there anything that was different about that 19 team versus the teams prior to it
1: yeah i think the one thing that we always run back to is that we enjoyed Our company we enjoyed being around each other we enjoyed hanging out with each other at the field you know outside the field whether it's going to dinner whether we're going to one of their birthday parties for their kids we enjoyed hanging out together we enjoyed each other and that even the wives even the wives got along right the girlfriends and that's a huge part of it too is that there's really no drama. It's everyone's kind of on the same page and the same understanding that, hey, we're here to have fun. But at the same time, you know, we want to win. And we're going to do everything we can to help one another, to put ourselves in the best position to win. And I think that was the biggest factor of that team in 2019. And Obviously, we've had on paper better teams, you know, all those years in the past maybe. But I think that is the changing factor of, you know, a winning team is that you have to enjoy the people that you're around because you're going to be around them for, what was it nine months out of the year, maybe eight nine months, whatever it, it is. Even from from spring training February to October, you have to like these these guys, you have to like these people, and that staff too, like that staff, front office, players. You they everything has to click, and I think that's what a lot of people don't understand is that when you're in a major sports team. There's so much crap going on. There's so many personalities. There's so many variables that have to go right to win. And that just should tell you by itself that it's so difficult to win in any, any sports team, any sports league. It's so difficult.
0: So it's a team chemistry thing.
1: Definitely. That's what I believe in for sure. Because I think that's what's going to take you through the hard times. Obviously you're going to have a lot of great times if you're winning. But you're gonna have a lot of tough times too in 160 162 game season it' how you' are gonna respond during those tough times right not everyone's gonna hit 300 but what are you gonna do with those other seven out of ten at bats Are you gonna be smashing your helmet are you gonna be breaking your bat in the tunnel because that's really probably gonna screw you up and then next to bat or down the road or on the or on the on the, on the defense side I think it's how you handle the failures. With, with especially with your the team the people that are around you how are they going to handle adversity are they going to point fingers or are you going to take accountability and then you're going to move forward i think there's so many things that that need to go right that need to happen for a team to win
0: so it was like this perfect recipe of personalities and you i know you guys had some new guys come in that year i think kurt mm-hmm. suzuki came in that year probably a couple other guys that changed the clubhouse a little bit Oh, yeah,
1: definitely. Um, there was a couple guys, right? We grabbed some guys at the deadline. Uh, we signed some guys for, for, you know, either the year before, and that was their first or second year. But we were the oldest team that season. You know, we, we were a team of veterans. We were a team of seasoned players. And I, that goes such a long way. And it's sad to see that's where Major League Baseball is not running to because they're eliminating all those people. They're eliminating the guys that have been in the league for five, six, seven years because they'd rather pay an 18-, 19-, 20-year-old kid the league minimum. And hopefully the, that makes the team and the GM look good that he has a productive season. But if not, you know, they could just either throw him back down in AAA or just say, oh, that's okay. He's, we only paid him league minimum. We didn't waste money on the other guy.
0: Well, you guys were game changers because – the old adage has always been you can't win a division in April, but you can lose a division in April. Mm-hmm. And you guys didn't end up winning the division, but you started out nineteen and thirty-one or eighteen and thirty-one. Yeah. yeah. Something like that. And now I feel like what I've noticed the last few years, so for instance, the White Sox got off to this atrocious start here in Chicago back last year in 2023. And the counterpoint to, oh, my gosh, the sky is falling is, well, look at the 2019 Nationals. They pulled through. Now, the the, White Sox didn't quite have the personnel that you guys did or the track record. But I think it's interesting because now I feel like we're hearing a little more, hey, pump the brakes because this can be done, especially now with this new uh, added wild card. Um, You really only need 84 wins to potentially get a playoff spot.
1: Yeah, exactly, and it's what team gets hot at the right moment, and I didn't believe that more than when we went through it in 2019. It's like, well, crap, like everything is going our way. We're getting the lucky breaks. Well, you know, we're getting the the swinging bunt singles. We're getting the broken bat singles. We're getting the flare jobs that are going over the first baseman and landing on the foul line for a fair ball. Like we're getting all of those breaks, and it's it was kind of funny because usually that was happening to us in the previous five, six years, you know, when we were in the playoffs and it was like, you had to think about it, You're like, well, crap, this is almost too good to be true. Like <laughs> It's got to end eventually where like, you have to run out of all this luck. I mean, yeah, we're getting the good hits and we're, we're driving guys in. But at the same time, you know, that, that one, two out broken bat single, you know, that really puts us ahead from, you know, up up one to up two and that crooked number. And, you know, that's a big difference on that scoreboard. And so, that's a It's a big, it's a big momentum swinger.
0: Teenager Juan Soto comes up the year before that, and obviously is a huge, huge, huge contributor that year in 2019. Was there a certain point that you remember seeing that kid play and being like, "Oh my gosh, this kid is amazing"?
1: Oh yeah, <laughs> it was in 2018, through, uh, early in the year. For some reason, of course, I was hurt and I had to, had to go back down to High A and I rehabbed. And I rehabbed with them for a couple games, and that's where he was at. And, <laughs> well, we're getting ready for the game. Didn't have any idea who this kid was, right? I mean, I'm just there trying to get my at-bats in. I'm trying to get my feet under me playing defense. And I'm just, you know, there to kind of help out, you know, any much as much as I can, right? I'm just just there, <laughs> basically. And, um, you know, I hit whatever, blah, blah. blah. And I I'm think I'm hitting behind him or he's sitting in front of me whatever. Anyways, he's hitting, and I just hear, you know, you hear the sound of that bat hit the ball, and it's just, wow, wow. I just look, like, this this didn't sound like, you know, a, a high-A player. And he's fouling balls off. He's spitting on pitches. And we're in Potomac, Virginia, where the lights are atrocious. I mean, in my floodlight outside of my house, is probably better than the lights over there. And <laughs> – I mean, he's fouling these balls off. He's hitting foul ball homers, and then he's working walks, and, or he's barreling the ball for a double. I'm like, who the hell is this kid? And, you know, and then they, they're telling, oh, this is one time, blah, 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 And so I go back. You know, my two days were up, and I go back to D.C. I'm playing. I'm like, there's this kid down there. Like, where the heck? He needs to be up here. <laughs> and then, lo and behold, you know, obviously a couple weeks later, we call him up, and in his first game, he hits a – Backside opposite of field homer over the bullpen in left center at that arc, and we're just thinking, like, jeez, like we could have used you in April, or May, <laughs> 19 to 31 or whatever. Um, so it's awesome just to kind of watch his career and see him grow and uh kind of literally handle the adversity that he's gone through because that's what it, you know everyone just looks at your stats and looks what looks at what you're doing right now and in the moment. I mean, he goes from win the world series at 19 going up and then the the next year they trade everyone away and then you know he's on a not so great team and then they trade him away then he goes over there and he goes all the way across country and then he's going back now to new york and i mean that's a lot of stuff to deal with in a six-year window you know and he's not a free agent yet and so the fact that he can kind of hone in on his own career and control what he can control, and still have the year he had last year after a, a not so good year, you know, in the Juan Soto eyes, when you're so good from a young age, you're supposed to get 330 and hit 40 homers every year. People forget how hard the game is, but his down year was what 270 with 24, <laughs> you know, with like 85 RBI. I'm like that's unbelievable. But it's it's amazing to see him kind of just grow into the young man that he is. So. fun to kind of
0: watch them yeah i think what you're describing is sometimes you hear ball off the bat and it just sounds different for certain guys so the guy for me this past year was i was out at the astros i had good seats i was it was actually jp france's second start i was sitting with his Mm -hmm. family so great seats and the park had cleared out there was a rain delay the game started at like 9 p.m in may it's one of those games that no one wants to go to on a friday anyway And uh so you know you could hear stuff and it was Jordan Alvarez when he just cranked one, it was like, oh my gosh, he murdered that
1: ball. Oh yeah. I mean he's he's another one of those, right? He just he's just a huge individual. <laughs> it's, it's unbelievable. Like I wish I was that big. So
0: Yeah, he's incredible. So um let's see. You Former manager of yours with the Nationals, Dusty Baker. He retired recently. Did you enjoy playing for him?
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, one thing I enjoyed about him is, is uh, he's not afraid to tell you how it is. I mean, he's going to be blunt, and that's kind of individual that as, as I am, right? I can't, I can't fix something until or unless you tell me what's wrong. Don't beat around the bush. Look at me face to face. Don't BS me. Don't lie to me. Just say, hey. This is what's wrong. Okay, now let me fix it. Help me fix it, right? Because obviously I don't know what's wrong with what I'm doing and I don't see it because I'm making a mistake, whether it's, you know, in family, sports, you know, in life, like, all right, help me fix it, tell me. And that's how he was, right? And so he was a very blunt individual. He's direct, straightforward. And those are the type of people that I enjoy playing with and playing for. Because, I mean, that's, you have one goal in mind. If they have one goal in mind, I know it's constructive criticism. It's not just criticism.
0: New manager, Ron Washington comes in. Have you talked with him since he became the manager of your team? Oh yeah, yeah. We've
1: had a couple of conversations on the phone and we're still trying to actually work out a date to where he can come down to visit because he's just a short drive over in Louisiana. And so, I mean, that's cool. four and a half, actually five, six hours. So he actually said he has family over here. So he's gonna come see family and then uh, come visit with me as well. So uh, we're still trying to find a date on that, but I, my conversations that I've had with him, I've been talking with him since I was in DC because he was with the Braves. You know, he was the third base coach over there. So I'm always trying to, you know, not be so locked in on the game. I needed, <laughs> I need to have like a normal, you know, conversation with somebody. So I'll be chatting with him in between innings. And um, he's always sound like a good individual with me. And I, I mean, obviously I'm pretty excited to play play for him this year, but it sounds like he's uh, he's true to his word from everyone that I, I've spoken with.
0: Uh, another change with your team, Shohei Otani departs <laughs> as a free agent. Did
1: you think he was coming back? <laughs> no, nah, I didn't think he was coming back. No, I, I mean, especially just the fact of, I think it's just the magnitude of what he brings to baseball outside of the field, right? And I was actually thinking about that the other day i was actually explaining that to somebody if you think about it only the angels know the kind of market that he can bring to a baseball you know organization and so only Artie and everyone in the angels organization knows the kind of um tv ratings knows the kind of marketing that they can bring because he's been with us for the past six years but and all these other teams are kind of just guessing you know, they're thinking that, you know, all right, we could probably do this. We could probably do that. But what if he exceeds this and what if he exceeds that? Right. And I think the Dodgers just being the Dodgers and obviously I heard that there was other teams out there too, that were willing to pay that much. Um, I think they were willing to kind of take that gamble and bring in what he can bring in outside of baseball to cover that contract. And so I, I mean, he had to explore somewhere else. Right. And, I think just the fact that what he does through the game of baseball, they're going to make so much money off of him. It's unbelievable. That 700000000 million, they're going to make that in a handful of years. And then everything and else is going to be profit.
0: What's it been like to have a front row seat for the past few years? Or, yeah, to have him and Trout. What's that
1: been like to watch those guys up close? <laughs> I mean, it's the same thing that we were just talking about with, you know, with Soto and Alvarez, right? The sound you know, the the ball makes, the bat makes when it comes off of their barrel. Um, Just watching, you know, them run around the bases. For me, I'm watching those those little things, right? Like I'm watching Shohei, you know, trot around the bases and get a triple that doesn't even reach the wall. You know, just the little things like that. I'm like, oh my, that's unbelievable. He's just trotting, striding out there. Anybody else would be huffing and puffing, sliding in there, you know, for a bang bang play at third base. But he has a stand up triple when the ball barely reaches the wall, you know what I mean? And and no outfielder fell down. (laughs) I think his tools are just, you know, way through the roof. And it's the same thing with Mike. He just, when we're running, when we're running, we talked about the last couple of years, when we're running, um, you know, just base running, you know, one stride went out through first, you know, a double. And then second to home, you know, you're running behind him or you're running with him or you're watching him run. I mean, he's just like a running back. He just gets down low and like he just moves the ground. He doesn't, it's so weird, <laughs> but they're just different. That's just, they're just, they're built different. It's unbelievable.
0: So one of my favorite moments from the past couple of years of baseball actually occurred when you faced a t- future and former now teammate of yours, Brett Phillips, Brett Phillips in <laughs> pitching. You went up to bat left-handed and you hit a home run left-handed. Take me through. Your decision to bat left-handed, is that your way of thinking, okay, we got to gotta level the playing field a little bit?
1: <laughs> no, that was just me uh, expressing my frustration and the fact that we were up by, I think, like 18 runs or whatever it was. Um, I had been struggling, obviously, coming back, and then I was already 0-4 in that game right-handed and i said screw it I was, I was on the on deck circle about to hit right-handed i think whoever was in front of me i think Showhead, he got grounded out or something and um i said screw it i turned over i said squid i said give me your helmet because he velasquez is a switch hitter and so i was like give me your helmet you left the helmet and so i didn't even i don't even think i told uh i told uh madden that i was gonna hit hit left handed i think he was i think it was madden at the time yeah um, that's and, uh and so I grabbed his helmet I just went up there. I didn't even switch my shin guard, nothing. Like I, <laughs> I just grabbed the helmet and walked straight to the plate. <laughs> I said, screw it. Uh, but I grew up switch hitting. I don't want I shouldn't probably tell you anybody this because they're probably maybe in their mind, they're thinking he's just one swing, one homer, <laughs> never. But I grew up switch hitting, uh, obviously, until I was like 10, 12 years old. And then I stopped because I was too small. And I didn't have any power. And then but well, as I grew, I would in my junior senior year, we would play like tournaments in inter squad games. I would switch hit during those. And then even at price, I would take BP left-handed a couple times. And then even throughout my career, I would take a round or two in the cage left-handed, you know, every day. So I mean uh my left-handed swing, you know, it's pretty good.
0: <laughs> did you and brett last year when he was with the angels Orc, did you guys share any laughs
1: about that moment <laughs> no because it's actually funny somebody brought it up you know uh when uh, me and brett were out i don't know if we were at dinner or something and uh brett he, brett's kind of awkward like he doesn't like have like awkward conversations uh <laughs> nice in the world but it's just best guy you know, sometimes yeah. like you don't know when to get in or when to get out and so he actually said he goes oh i didn't want to bring it up or i didn't know how to bring it up and so we actually never spoke about it we had like maybe a couple comments you know for like 10 seconds we're like oh yeah like i just wanted to hit left hand and he's like yeah i don't i didn't even realize who it was until you were running around the bases and then that was the end of it
0: he wanted me to ask you about it
1: <laughs> i like Brett. he's uh he actually just he texted the group text um kind of wishing us a farewell um, other position players deal, you know, because he's like he got picked up by the Royals or who did he get picked up by?
0: White Sox, White Sox he's coming to Chicago, yeah,
1: there you go. And so, um, uh, he actually just sent a text the other day, so I just, I'm glad you brought it up.
0: <laughs> Best laugh in the big leagues, I've never
1: heard a oh, laugh like that. It freaked me out the first time I heard it. <laughs> I was like, This dude, he's, he's dying, he's I, <laughs> he, he can't breathe. like he, we were eating at the lunch table one day and I forgot what I said and it was after a game and, and you know, we had just won one of the few games and everyone was in a good mood and I said something coming in and this and this and I sat down and he just, he did it. He started laughing, <laughs> hamburger in his mouth and I'm like, he's choking, like he's dying. i so, like, we got to help him. And, <laughs> I'm like, okay, he's breathing at least. Like, what's going on?
0: <laughs> oh, I love Brett Phillips. He's great. He's great for the game. Um, if you could change one thing about Major League Baseball, if I gave you that power, what would you do?
1: <laughs> I'm going to say something very lighthearted so I don't get in trouble when I get to yes. spring training. Uh, <laughs> so I'm going to give you all a Anthony Rendon answer. <laughs> um, the
0: first of the day, hopefully.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Uh, we got to shorten the season, man. It's too many dang games. 162 games in 185 three days whatever it is. Man. No. <laughs> we got to shorten this bad boy up. Let's go.
0: <laughs> well, on that note, Anthony, I would love to, uh, I think most importantly, while we're here today, we're talking about your uh, relationship with Jesus Christ. And I want to mm-hmm. just give you the floor. Take me through your spiritual journey. How did you come to know Christ? When did this become a priority in your life? And how has he changed your life?
1: Shoot, yeah. Hey, man, I was a, I was a late bloomer for sure. A lot of trial and error and, and um, a lot of uh, kicks in the knees, I guess you could say. <laughs> I was like the Israelites in the Old Testament where they kept getting, you know, battered down because they kept leaving God and then coming back and coming back and leaving and coming back. That was me but um we grew up going to church um we grew up catholic uh my family and i have an older brother but it was always all right we would do it because you know we didn't want to go to hell basically right and you you know you're supposed to go to church but you don't really know why you're going to church i'm going to church and you know we stand up we kneel we sit down stand up read sing kneel sit down you know get the eucharist come back down (laughs) And then I fall asleep. Right. And I was very young, too. I was probably, you know, five, six, seven, eight and still going to the CCE classes. But I wasn't getting anything out of it. I didn't know what was happening. But then my parents got invited to a Bible based church, a Christian church, not the Bible based. But um, then we started going to this church and then they started kind of reading more than just, you know, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John. And they're reading more and, you know, preaching more to where it's more applicable. Right. And I didn't know this till later on in life. It's maybe like five, six years ago that my parents ended up giving their life to Christ when we were younger back then. But I didn't even notice it. They didn't explain that to us. They didn't tell us. So I was kind of upset about that. <laughs> and then uh, so that was kind of like the eye opening moment I was like, all right, there's something more here um, than I. I got baptized maybe when I was 12, 13, somewhere around there. So I knew that there was something that I needed to do, but there was no change in my life. Went to college. um, Then I got into kind of like the FCA deal there, but we had a baseball chapel to where former players of Rice Baseball would come back and we would hold kind of like a baseball chapel, a Bible study type deal where we would go over maybe luke we would go to matthew we'll go over james some of philippians some uh some book of the bible throughout the year and i would go you know i chit chat with everybody but then when it came down to you know the bible i would just you know listen right because i didn't want to speak up i didn't want to say anything to where i would feel like it was a, either a dumb question or it was a dumb answer right i didn't want to get made fun of because there was other guys on our team that, you know, that brought bibles that, you know, you could tell that they're reading it because, you know, the pages were torn and look, you know, weathered. But I didn't want to, I was so scared. I didn't want to open up because I was afraid of getting ridiculed. And that's, I think that just kind of sums up what, you know, the man needs to be right now in today's day and age. Right. And, you know, big macho guy, but, you know, I don't need any help. I could do it myself. And so I stuck with those relationships as I got drafted and um, I guess we can back up. I didn't realize that how much baseball had got grabbed a hold of my life until I got injured, bro- broke an ankle. Well, I, I tore the ligaments in 09, my freshman year. Broke my ankle in 2010, and so each time it was, I think I felt that was like God kicked me in the knee, right? Basically saying, "Hey, like baseball isn't everything," because every one, every one of those moments i remember going back to my parents house you know laying in bed with this cast on and then you know like there's my bible on the bible stand full of dust because i hadn't read it in so long right and even though i had been going to baseball bible study every wednesday i hadn't been applying it and so fast forward to when i got drafted in dc um I, i get called up um and then I'm hanging around Strasburg, Adam LaRoche, uh, Ian Desmond, Greg Stammen, like all these guys that are just veterans. And then we're in our baseball Bible studies. We're in our chapel. And I'm, hiss- I'm listening to these guys' stories. I'm doing the same thing. I'm not speaking up too much, but I'm listening. And I'm hearing all these guys' struggles. I'm hearing what they're going through with their families. I'm hearing what they're going through with their, you know, with their playing days. I'm hearing how they're just growing and I'm like, man, why the hell would you even share any of this stuff? Right. Like, like for me, I was thinking like, I'm not going to show any weakness to anybody because if I tell you I'm having problems then it's, you know, it's less, I'm less of a man right now because I'm showing weakness to somebody else. But in, instead, you know, when we're vulnerable to other people, I think we, we become stronger, right? Just because we get more help and more, support from everybody else, especially in a faith based you know group, because there's no judgment there. We're all in it for the same thing. We know that Christ is the center. We know that Christ is you know above everything else. And so we know that we're not going to judge each other because we know we all have problems. We're all sinners. We're all born, you know, sin into this world that we're all fall short. No matter what sin it is, we're never going to get to his perfectness. And so when I finally realized that, I started opening up more. I started asking questions. I started, you know, reading more. And so now I think ever since that 2013, 14, 15 area, that like window is when I finally started applying myself, you know, and realizing what Jesus can do in my life. I knew it was always there, but it was more of a, you know, I'll come to you when I need you type thing, which is terrible to say. But I just I did it because I didn't want to go to hell. You know, we don't want to burn in hell. Any thought of Satan and burning in hell is not good. You know, I want to go to heaven where streets are paved with gold, right? But finally realizing what Jesus and a relationship with Jesus meant, I'd say, was in that window. And obviously, I'm still not perfect, as you guys, all y'all know. But I'm, st- <laughs> I'm still, you know, on that track to go forward. I'm still going to deviate. I'm still going to screw up with my kids. I'm still going to screw up with my wife. I'm still going to screw up with, you know, the team. I'm still going to screw up over here. But understanding that I am trekking toward him each and every day and then I'm just slowly allowing him to manipulate and to mold me into the man that he wants me to become. So, I mean, it's an everyday battle and it's definitely not easy. If anything, I feel like it's gotten harder because now Satan knows that it's a spiritual warfare now. That's what I look at it as. He didn't care about me before because he knew that I was already doing whatever the hell I wanted and he knew how far I was from God, even though I thought I was so close because, you know, I, I helped the homeless guy out. I did good deeds. You know, I took the trash out from my parents, you know, I'm doing good stuff. Yeah. But he knew, you know, Satan knew that I was so far away from you know Christ that it didn't even matter. He he didn't need to mess with me. So if anything, now that I'm trying to read and get into his word and trying to be the man that God wants me to be, He's gonna start throwing distractions at me now, right? And that goes back to the book of the ruthless elimination of hurry. He's gonna start throwing these things at me and start throwing things, these things at me because he knows I'm not going, you know, with him. I'm trying to get closer to God.
0: Yeah, and I, I like what you said in t- about that because we're all sinners. Like we, we all, everybody, sometimes, you know, we all struggle with some sin in our lives, even if we're Christ oh, yeah. followers. And someone like you, it's just a little more, you're in the public eye. So if you screw something up, people might see it. And that's, that's really tough. I mean, I don't know what that's like because I'm a nobody. <laughs> yeah,
1: I won't say that. See? <laughs> but I, see, That's what I hate though. You know, not hate, but that's what I don't like is that people say, oh, I'm a nobody. Right. You know, I just, I'm, just, I'm on talk show or I just, you know, the FedEx, FedEx driver or whatever we're no different right you know i just play baseball i just i've been doing we're all different. nobodies yeah exactly we're all nobodies i don't care if you're a financial guy you worked with h&r block i couldn't do what you do just like you know you probably could not hit a baseball what i do i can't get on your computer <laughs> and all those numbers so what's the difference who cares so don't treat me any different it's just because you know you see me on tv or you know how much money somebody makes it makes no sense i don't like that
0: I know what you mean. I, I get what you're saying. I am I was making a joke, Anthony. No, no, I, I get, get
1: it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm mean to get a little hostile right now, but I, I get it when people say, they're like, oh, I'm just a nobody. Like, I feel like I'm a nobody, right? And it, it's all relative, right? You know, I'm a nobody compared to the Mike Trout, the Shohei Otani, the, you know, the Alvarez's, you know, that are the judges, whoever it might be. You know, it's just, it's all relative to the individual. And I feel, unfortunately, that's where, that's where sin comes into play into the public eye every it's everyone thinks that you know sin is oh this is the greatest sin this one's higher no this one's right here and this one's lower and it's all relative to each individual you know you know i might think you know let's see getting drunk is the worst sin right because maybe i i had a friend that got hit by a drunk driver you know when i was young and you know he killed it Right. And I might you know, think sin of you know, getting drunk is the worst sin ever. But if somebody else might think that, you know, abortion is the worst sin ever, because, you know, somebody might have had an abortion in their family and that impacted them more. Just like, you know, that might have not impacted me you know, or someone got murdered and somebody else that, and that impacts somebody else. So it, sin is unfortunately relative in this world. And that's what I don't like about it because it doesn't matter what sin it is. It's we're all falling short of his perfectness. There's no sin greater than another. It's written in black and white in the book. There's no sin greater than another because we all fall short. It doesn't matter what it is. We're no better than one another. We're no worse than one another because we're not perfect. And that's the only standard that matters.
0: Yeah. We all have different struggles and I've seen in my own life. God break me free of that sin that I felt enslaved to that I struggled yeah. with. And then it's like, okay, well now here's the next one I got to work. <laughs> on.
1: <laughs> exactly. Right. But I feel like that's, that's that spiritual warfare that we were just talking about. Right. Well, you know, God freed you from whatever that you're going with. Well, it's the whole Job story. Okay. Well, what about this? I'm going to take away all this land. All right. He's proved that, you know, God came through from him and Job was still with him. Let me take away all of his family members. Let me do this. Let me do that. I think it's that spiritual warfare that that we are up against because he's constantly trying to distract us away from him.
0: Do you have a favorite verse or a verse that recently you've really been reflecting on, heading into the New Year?
1: Man, growing up, it was always that you know the, the one that everyone likes. That like Philippians four right? thirteen it's just, you know, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. But then you know, as you get older, you realize that's just like. You know no offense if that's anyone's you know favorite verse but for me it was i only liked that verse because i saw it so much right and i try to use that verse to get success on the field or success on the basketball court or success on the football field right i was like he's gonna give me strength so i'm gonna hit a home run right here it's like <laughs> or he's gonna give me strength and i'm gonna knock down this three-pointer and so i i used it the wrong way so now i've kind of steered away from it but the one that i've always memorized that kind of as I've always ran back to, I think it's Colossians three, two, where it says set your eyes on things above, not on things of this earth. And for me, that it's perfect for me in my life right now, because I'm very fortunate, you know, to make a good amount of money, to have, you know, a great family, you know, and a lot of distractions that'll come with that. And I need to remember to set my eyes on him. Not the car, not the house, not you know the all the stuff that's in this world because it's all gonna rot away, right? Like, what are we gonna, what are we gonna set our eyes on that's eternal? What what are the things that's really gonna matter? This is only a blip of our life until we get into eternity with Him, and I'd rather be up there than a little down south <laughs> burning. <laughs> but uh, I've been trying to read. Uh, I've been in the old, I've been in the Old Testament a lot, ladies. It's been weird. Um, I don't know if it's because every, you know, every year I'm always like, I'm going to do the, the one year Bible, Bible yeah. year, you know, right. And then you to the, you know, the boring part of the tabernacle and, you know, the, you know, the, you know this, the road is eight meters long or this, cube, this, or this yeah that, book of this. numbers. Yeah. I'm just thinking, oh God, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to make it. <laughs> and so. I think I've been finally going back like like Joshua uh, Kings, First Kings and Chronicles and, and all that stuff. And so and that's why I bring up like you know, the Israelites when they're leaving, and I'm, that's how like I feel like with what I'm constantly doing, going back and forth, right? And then I uh, or we're on a good track, everything's good. Get complacent, you know, whether it's a spiritual warfare, or I think I'm getting on my high horse and I'm like, oh I got this now, you know, everything's going smoothly, and then God's like, no, nah! come on back down to earth, you know, like, why are you leaving me? And that's what the Israelites did, right? They're like, oh, we don't need them. And then the next king came, and then they built an altar, and they built an idol, and then, you know, the grandson came. It's like, no, we're tearing all this down. You know, we don't need this. And then Israelites get blessed for another 40 years, you know, 50 years, a couple generations, and then the next one comes, and, you know, they're doing this the entire time. Uh, I just think it's that stage of life that my wife and I are in right now to where, uh, you know, We have all these kids, you know, all these, you know, not saying that they're distractions, but the activities, the schooling, you know, the diapers and this. And we can constantly, you know, get distracted with the everyday life to where, you know, it pulls us away from him. And but I need to take care of my kids. Right. But also excuse me, at the same time, I need to give my kids to him and understand that, you know, he is going to guide them. He's going to be with them and he's going to help them grow up to be amazing. And so. It's just that fine line that we got to battle in that this stage of life. We are. We're in right now. We got four kids, five and under.
0: <laughs> so. when you,
1: you mentioned something
0: really interesting about your perspective on Philippians 4.13, mm-hmm. which sounded maybe a little more of like what someone would call prosperity gospel type of yeah. view in terms of, okay, God's going to bless you if you have enough faith type of thing. Did you experience a shift in theology or your understanding of god when you sort of fully committed your life to christ
1: i i think just unknowingly i did right that as i as i grew i kind of realized i looked back to where i was when i was younger or even earlier like in my 20s or even like when i was in 2013 14 15 those years when i was like shifting i looked back it's like man like, what was i thinking back then like right you know it's, i feel like it's with anything you, you know you get a new toy you get a new car or, or you get a new you know computer or whatever it's like the hot and you want to go play with it you want to you know you're on fire with it you want to just touch it and i feel like that's what majority of i wouldn't say majority but a lot of you know people that come to faith to christianity they're on fire for jesus right and they're just bang 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 and they think more is better you know, instead of, you know, it's quality over quantity type deal, right? You want to build relationships with people instead of like, you need Jesus. I'm going to stand on this corner and, you know, shout it down your throat. You either, you know, believe in Jesus or you're going to hell. <laughs> like, That's not, that's not how it happens. You know what I mean? It, it needs to happen organically and everyone's on their different timeline. Right? It doesn't like either you can grow up in the church the whole time and, you know, be an amazing individual and give your life to Christ early or, you can you know be a grandma at 80 years old my ba- my grandma got baptized in uh, 4 years ago you know what wow. i mean and like you know it doesn't matter it, it doesn't matter you could be on your deathbed like you know it, it's a condition of your heart it's not you trying to be a better person it's the condition of your heart were
0: there guys when you were starting to grow a little more in your faith with the nationals were there some veteran players or maybe some guys your age who really helped walk in and shepherd you in that time.
1: Yeah, I think it was, I mean, it was those guys that I mentioned, right. It was listening to those guys, the Ian Desmonds, the Craig Stamins, the Adam Roaches, the, the, and Stephen Drew's just hearing those guys open up about everyday life, about everyday struggles and how they handle it. Right. For me, when I was younger, you know, I would run to extracurricular activities, right. I would, you know, go out and do stuff or, and then just try to submerge my issues instead of, you know, giving it to Christ and, you know, battling it and handling it differently. I thought that, you know, having struggles was a weakness. You know what I mean? You know, As a man, you need to, you know, take care of your own problems. You need to do everything by yourself. You know, I don't need any help. I could do this. I got it, but and that's not how it works. And I found out the hard way, but I think those individuals is what helped me, you know, get, get through the most. And I um i actually texted him in that this off season he had reached out to me and then we were chatting and i was like man i just need to let you know like i appreciate you like thank you for the individual you were back in those early years you don't know this but you made an impact on my life you know back then and i know it's tough because you don't know if you're doing the right things i don't know if we're having the right conversations with an individual unless they come back and say hey man i appreciate you when i had that conversation with you five years ago you know it really had an impact on me so it's not like we're keeping a record of trying to to disciple somebody or trying to have a an impact on their on their heart or on themselves until someone else goes back and tells you right and so i don't know if i said the right thing like i'm worried about it now but then if that individual comes back to me five ten years later and tells me Oh Man, I appreciate it. now I, just, I said the right thing. So I know I, I know I needed to tell him that and I finally did. And so he was very appreciative of it. And um, I, he's just he's been awesome. He's been a good dude.
0: What's the faith community look like within uh, Angels right now?
1: Uh, it's not too bad. We have a couple guys that we're working on that, we're, that we've gotten in the chapel. But for the most part, I was actually surprised that this year we had more guys in there than we've had in the previous years. A lot of the young guys that we've had called in, you know, called up, they they have been in there, and so I'm not going to mention any names and put anybody yeah, out there for sure. But um, it's 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 been awesome to see the younger guys coming in immediately, right? Because you get into this environment with you know a bunch of grown men with families that are you know 10, 15, you know years older than you it's intimidating to get in that environment because I understand it because I was in there. I didn't want to go in there because I didn't know what was going to happen, but to see those young guys just come, excuse me, and step right in there, you know, on the first Sunday that, you know, they were called up from if they're called up on Wednesday or Friday and they call and they come in on a Sunday, it's like, Oh man, they're, you know, they're not playing like around, you know what I mean? So um digging deeper. have I want to have a conversation with some of those guys and kind of just, pick their brain a little bit and see where they're at. And and that's how you build a relationship, you know, with people is being there and asking about them and, you know, asking them questions, how their family is and how, you know, what's going on in their life. And so that's how you, you know, build camaraderie and build relationships with individuals. And we even have a lot of staff members that have been that have been coming too. So uh, it's actually a pretty, pretty good group, surprisingly. That's sweet. Yeah. Uh, we'll
0: wrap up here in a little bit. Um, I want to give you a chance, Anthony Rendon, a message mm. of hope for 2024. Those who right now are, are lost and maybe they're confused, they're struggling with work or mm. they're struggling financially, whatever it is, uh, I want to give you a chance to share a message of hope to those people.
1: Man, I don't know. <laughs> it's not going to be my message for sure. No, I think the best thing that I ever heard um, and it was actually from Adam LaRoche. And it was the craziest thing. I was thinking to myself, what is he doing right now? But after thinking about it, it kind of makes sense. Um, we had a, I'll give him a story, you know, to kind of run into the same idea. We're at our faith day in like 2016, right? 2016, faith day at D.C. And um, yeah, LaRoche gets up there and he starts speaking. And it's kind of a similar situation. He kind of wants to encourage some people. And he goes... I don't know where you're at in your life right now this is not verbatim but he says whatever it is you're dealing with whether it's alcohol whether it's this x y and z if any it's you think that it's hindering you it's stopping you from reaching out going to jesus or going to church or talking to somebody he goes it doesn't matter keep doing it he goes just go you can keep doing it but just get connected with somebody, you know, talk to somebody, go to church, dig into the Bible, do whatever, you know what I mean? And then, cause obviously whatever you're struggling with, you can't fix it because whether you've been struggling with it for one day, whether you've been struggling with it for five years, 10 years, 20 years, your entire life, you have obviously not been able to cure it. So why don't you just watch you reach out to Jesus, reach out to God, And watch him change your life. Watch Jesus transform you, transform your heart, and then you will slowly, slowly get away from whatever you're struggling with. Might not make the situation easier. It might not make your life easier, that's for sure. But you will know how to handle the situation moving forward and you will have a better outlook on life and you will be at peace. He He will give you that peace.
0: Amen. I mean, I think that's... To paraphrase would be, you don't have to clean up your life before coming to Christ. Come to Christ no. and he will clean up your life. Definitely. Because even, even like with us, right? My,
1: my life is still not cleaned up, right? I still have a, a whole bunch of flaws that I'm working on. It's its a never-ending battle. That's why it's a lifelong journey. It's, it's a marathon and we need to walk. Jesus walks. We're not running through life. We're walking, right? And so yep. I'm trying to walk with that. You know what i mean and i have my good days i have my bad days and my good weeks I have my bad weeks it's just you got to keep on going all right
0: final thing i know that you and your wife run the husky owl foundation can you please tell us about what you guys are doing over there and how if people want to check it out or maybe give to the organization i'll i'll, I'll give you the floor
1: yeah so My wife and I started the Husky Owl Foundation just for our our family foundation. We use it as kind of like our tie account. Right. Instead of writing big checks to um, one organization, we put it into our family foundation and we find nonprofits that we are feeling called or led to to go give. And so we are a non-operating foundation right now. So we currently cannot receive funds and we can only give our money away to nonprofit organizations. Um, so if we start hosting events, we start running golf tournaments and we start doing you know, all these things, then that turns us into an operating nonprofit. And so maybe that's in the works down the road in the future post baseball. But right now we've been focusing on you know, kind of military, military families, veterans and uh, underprivileged youth. Um, and so we're just trying to give back to people that we have felt compelled to and when we first started it, we tried to keep our mission statement as broad as possible to where who we can reach, um, you know, giving, you know, through the glory through him. And it's kind of, it's kind of like the broadest mission statement possible, but it puts us in position <laughs> to not uh, seatbelt and strap ourselves to only be able to give to one group of individuals. So we're trying to just spread our seed as, as far as possible and just try to help as many people as we can and, we're still in that that building relationships environment, and so hopefully we build a network enough to where we come out of baseball, and we're kind of just hit the floor running, and we're just gonna kind of put that that foundation in the operating environment.
0: So you guys aren't taking money; you're just giving money.
1: Correct. Correct. So uh, we're definitely not taking any money right now. <laughs> so don't try to send anything. And obviously we are you know, we're under the radar. Kind of in, uh individuals and under the radar family but um we're trying to do a lot of work behind the scenes and um a lot of the stuff that you see uh, overseas and stuff you know we have our hands in on some of the things that are going on and and rescuing uh kind of some families and and christians in the other countries uh so we're trying to bring some people
0: home anthony anything else today Anything else you want to discuss?
1: <laughs> <Promote>? No, <Nah. laughs> nah, I appreciate you having me on. This uh, this was a good experience, and uh, I hope it kind of reaches the right individuals.
0: Thank you so much, Anthony. Uh, it was great having you on. I'll see you in Arizona in a month. <laughs> Wait, it's coming up quick.
1: <laughs> <laughs> All
0: right, y'all. That concludes today's episode of the Jack Vita Show with Anthony Rendon. I hope you guys enjoyed it. It was fun having him on. It um, was a great conversation about a lot of baseball life and faith. We'll have more of these coming soon. I'm going to have Washington Nationals prospect DJ Hers on next week. And if you're a fan of reality TV, we're going to have some reality TV content coming too. I imagine we've got a lot of people discovering this show for the first time today. Uh, lots of interviews, sports analysis, and conversations about sports and some faith and a little bit of reality TV as well. So, uh, like I said, we'll have DJ Herz on. We'll have some more players, hopefully, on, Lord willing, over the next month here in the off offseason. Uh, this is a time to try to get these interviews in before guys get busy with spring training and the regular season. And then we'll also have some reality TV content coming out. So, for the reality TV fans, I'm going to speak soon with Alyssa Riley Slater from big brother 15 and the amazing race season 31 the sister of Rachel Riley if you're a big brother or amazing Race fan you'll really enjoy that or if you have interest in TV or being on a reality TV show you'll want to check that out and lastly I also want to announce there is a show on Peacock called the traitors it's season two now um, it's going to be it's a really fun show I've already watched some of the episodes I have the screeners for them and Stephanie LaGrosa Kendrick for the baseball fans she is the wife of Kyle Kendrick the Philadelphia Phillies World Series champion uh, she is was also on survivor three times and is a survivor icon Competed on the traders a year ago. We're going to have a regular Traders podcast over the next couple months. This is only going to be a short series. It might only be every other week. Maybe some weeks we'll do it consecutively. But we'll be here. We'll have an episode probably next week as well where we will be breaking down the first few episodes of the Traders. So if you guys are interested in that, check the show out on Peacock. It drops, I believe, uh, the 12th of January. And then come back and listen to our recap podcasts and subscribe to this show. If you guys like what you heard, hit subscribe to The Jack Vita Show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, here on YouTube, wherever it is that you're listening to this podcast. Hit subscribe. Leave us a five-star review and a great rating. Um, And then you can also follow me on social media at Jack Vita Show on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Until our next episode, I'm Jack Vita, bring in the dancing lobsters.